Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's First Love podcast. Today is the last, the fourth of this series about who we are as God's people. And mm, it was so much fun to do the last one. I hope you were able to really just soak and revel in the wonder of being rescued and brought into his wonderful light and now who he calls us, who we are to him. Well, anyway, I want to finish out the rest of that passage where, again, you know, at this time, I think I'm going to begin with 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but I want to begin with us listening to it from the Lord. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, my special possession, that you may declare my praises, me who called you out of darkness and into my wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are my people, the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received my mercy. Wow, Lord, it's just so nice to hear it from you, not just from Peter, but from you. And thank you that, as we learned last time, that in the Greek translation, we might add, not only have we received mercy, but we've received a new name. Once we were not loved, and now we are called your loved one. So thank you. Well, anyway, I want to finish up by going back to the very first part of Peter's statement there where he says, But now you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Where last time I was focusing on the fact that once he rescued us, he gave us a new name, a new identity. He gave us a new position. And it's an amazing place to be of who we are to him. But I think the first part of this passage is really critical because he didn't just rescue us to place us in this unique position with him as very loved and very valued. But he also called us out of darkness and he chose us for a purpose. And I think those three phrases a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, focuses on why he rescued us, focused on our purpose. In the very first one, I had pointed out that in Isaiah 43, 20 and 21, God says through Isaiah, my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. From this passage, we learn specifically that as his people, as his chosen, one of our primary purposes is to declare his praise, that not just to ourselves, but abroad, that we would make known the amazing wonders of who God is and what he's done, not only for us, but what he's done for them and what he wants them to, to discover about his love for them. In Isaiah 41, 8 and 9, God specifically refers to Israel, whom he has chosen, as his servant. He says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, you are my servant, and I have chosen you and not rejected you. 
See, again, one of the main ideas behind being chosen, the main purpose of being chosen, was to be his servant, to be those who would declare his praises. And I love this part, too. I just want to backtrack for a second. He says, "...whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend." Back in Genesis chapter 12, when God first spoke to Abraham, he said that through Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed. I think the fact that here through Isaiah, when he's calling Israel his servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, is that it's tracing back that, again, the purpose for being chosen was that we might be a blessing to the nations, that we might declare his praises. Now, sadly, Israel really failed in this. Israel thought they were something better than, superior to, and really didn't have any sense of vision for God chose us for a purpose, and especially to reach out to the rest of the nations of the earth to be that people that, that saw themselves that God didn't just choose them for them. He chose them that through them he might reach out to the rest of the peoples of the earth. Well, even where Israel failed, Jesus, who we discover later now is this new servant, this true Israel, in Isaiah 42.1, he says of this uh, servant, which we realize now is no longer talking about Israel, but about a specific person. He says, my servant, my chosen one in whom I delight, whom we discover is Jesus, Listen to these two things that God says about this servant and what his purpose is. I, the Lord, have called you, meaning Jesus, my servant, in righteousness, and I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. To hear the light and darkness theme again, it's the fact that Israel, as they were called out of darkness into light, they were to be God's mouthpiece to not only declare his praise, but to also be his voice to the nations, to the Gentiles, and to be a light to the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives. And of course, Israel just doesn't get this. But now, through Jesus, the new true servant, he's going to get this done. Later in chapter 49, verse 6, he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. They weren't chosen just to be a knickknack, <laughs> right, on, on, on God's shelf to go, wow, aren't they wonderful, they're valuable, they're precious, you know, they're my favorite and treasured and special possession and my loved one. It's, that's our identity. That's who we are to Him. That's the value He has placed on us. That is all a good thing, but that's not the end. These statements, a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, are to remind us the purpose for which we, Israel first and now us, were chosen, where Jesus ultimately lives out that purpose as being a light for the Gentiles. And now as his people, now as belonging to Jesus, now that we have become that servant, listen to what Jesus says to us. 
And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That was Matthew 24, 14. In Luke 24, 47, he says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And you are witnesses of these things. See, Jesus got the purpose of being chosen correct. He understood that he knew who he was to the Father. He knew that he was his beloved son, but he knew that his purpose for being on the planet was to be a light, not only to the nation of Israel, but a light to the Gentiles. Again, to call us all out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And then as Jesus leaves, he says these final words, I want you as my people, as my disciples, to continue that purpose for which you were chosen. Take the gospel of the kingdom into the whole world as a testimony to the nations. Preach it in my name to all nations. So first of all, to recognize that we are chosen for a purpose, to be his servant and especially, he took us out of all the nations, not because we're something extra special, but in order to accomplish something on behalf of all the other nations. Secondly, he says we're a royal priesthood. Well, actually, in the Hebrew, it says a kingdom of priests. But again, it's that Greek translation that changed that to royal priesthood, which essentially means a group of priests belonging to a king. And you know, one of the coolest things about that was in Exodus 19, 20, 21, when God brought Israel to Mount Sinai and said these words to them, is that originally God wanted all the people to be a kingdom of priests, that all of them would be able to draw near to God. And then when God comes onto the mountain, they get afraid and they say, no, you, Moses, you go be with God and then come talk to us. I mean, honestly, it's one of the most tragic, sad moments where God's original intention was that the citizens of his kingdom, their function would be priests. And here's the thing about a priest in the biblical context, the biblical meaning of a priest is a person who serves God and has the right of access to him where every Christian now has in Christ the right of direct access to God and has the right to intercede with God on behalf of others. That not only are we servants to declare his praises and to be a light to the Gentiles, but we were to minister to God, that we were priests, a kingdom, a nation of priests, Everyone who was to have access to God and to be able to serve God and to serve one another and intercede on behalf of one another. And I loved in the Old Testament commentary about that passage, the, the, the scholar wrote that Israel was committed, was supposed to be as a kingdom of priests, committed to the extension throughout the world of the ministry of Yahweh's presence, a kingdom run not by politicians depending upon strength and connivance, love that word, but run by priests depending on faith in Yahweh, a servant nation instead of a ruling nation. But we as priests were to be an extension throughout the world of the ministry of Yahweh's presence. As we have access to him and he with us, that we were to bring his presence into the world and to pray for the world and to intercede for the world and, and to be in God's presence on behalf of them. This too is part of our identity, to be a royal priesthood. It's part of our function, part of what we do as his people. But lastly, he says, you are to be to me a holy nation. 
as I mentioned last time about Deuteronomy 7, 6, where he calls us the treasured possession, he begins by saying, you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. This word holy in the Old Testament dictionary means consecrated to God, belonging to the sphere of the sacred. In other words, it's not common or profane. The cool thing is that it said there's no mixing, there's no pollution, that to be holy is clean and pure, consecrated or set apart exclusively for God's purposes. So to be a holy nation means that as my people, you are set aside, you are consecrated, you have been lifted out of the profane and the mundane and the common to become a people for me, a people belonging to me, a people set aside for me to serve me, to be a nation that exclusively is mine. Just like you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Scriptures, um, the Holy of Holies, these were the kinds of things where things had been uniquely designated as God's. But here's the thing I love most of all, is that he says in Leviticus 19.2, and later Peter also in the first part of his letter, chapter 1, quotes this verse, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Again, the idea is that God is pure. There is no mixture of evil, no mixture of anything dirty, unclean, wrong, bad, that God in and of himself is ethically pure. God in and of himself is good, always good, only good. And what he means by calling us a holy nation is that ultimately, as one of the scholars said in the commentary, that we were to be his people on display. That this is another way of saying that we are created in his image, where as a people, one of the greatest contributions that we were to give to the nations, yes, calling them out of darkness and into light, getting them reconciled to God, declaring his praises, but one of the greatest purposes of being his holy nation was that we would love each other, we would relate to one another with his character, that we would be compassionate and kind and gentle and patient and forgiving and forbearing, that all the nations would see a quality of relationship to which people would go, why do you care? Why do you love? Why do you treat each other in such an awesome way that none of us do? And their answer was to be because we are only being like God. We are being like Him. As He is holy, we are being holy. As He is ethically pure and good and there's nothing bad in Him, as His people, we are being holy. We are treating one another purely in, in a good way. This is why he set us apart. This is why he made us. And just consider the fact that we, as his people on the planet, we are supposed to be being made into the likeness of Jesus, into the likeness of God, that the church is supposed to be holy and blameless. He said he chose us before the creation of the world, Ephesians 1.3, that we would be holy and blameless that a huge part of our, our purpose, our function as being that unique, special people is that most of all, our relationships, 
our way of interacting with one another would be on display for all the peoples to see, and it would not be common, it would not be profane, it would not be evil, it would not be dirty, it would not be unloving, it would not be causing harm like all of them did. They would look at the relationships of God's people and go, wow, you guys are amazingly caring amazingly loving, amazingly compassionate, merciful, and kind. In other words, in our relationships, we are holy, even as He is holy. So, Lord, to that end, we just pause to say thank you again for who we are to you, the value that you've placed on us and and the name that you've given us. But I pray finally today that... What was supposed to begin with Israel was truly lived out by Jesus as the true servant, where Israel, as your original servant, did not do it well. But in continuing in the life and the way of Jesus as his church, as his people, as his disciples, Lord, we pray that we would be your servant, that we would declare your praises, and that we would be a light to the Gentiles. Lord, that we would be a royal priesthood, that we would be those who have been set aside, set apart for you, and we have access to you and to intercede on behalf of others with you. But most of all, Lord, we pray that we would be that holy nation, that holy people, that you chose us to be holy and blameless, that you chose us to be a people that would be ethically pure, ethically good, Lord, that there would be no evil in us, nothing unclean, nothing wrong, nothing bad, that we would be like you. We would be holy in character, holy in speech, holy in the way we relate to one another, not only for our joy, not only for our good, but especially that we would be a people on display for the world to see to see a better way of relating, to see a way that brings joy and peace and blessing and harmony and yeah. So Lord, to that end, help us to hear you say again, but you, you, my loved one, you, my people, you, my treasured possession, I chose you for a purpose. I made you my royal priesthood. I have made you a holy nation to be my servants, to be priests, and most of all, to be a people who displays my character, my goodness. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we're just sorry. We're sorry for, like Israel, how many times we're more like Israel than we're like you, Jesus. And we just ask your forgiveness today, Father. Wash us clean and help us, Lord, wherever we need to make a change, to turn. Help us again out of the wonder of what you've done for us, who you've made us to yourself. Lord, help us to realign ourselves wherever we need to, to be your servant, to be your priests, to be your holy nation. And we ask you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Love you. Enjoy.